You're listening to the Whenever It Kicks podcast with me, Jessie Cave. This is episode 12 and unfortunately this episode is a bit sad. I talk about some really scary things. I talk about how to broach these subjects with children and I also talk about a scan I had and the constant nausea of this pregnancy. Thank you for listening. Hello everybody. I hope you're all okay. I am currently sitting upstairs in our bedroom. I'm trying to gather the energy to tidy. The kids are at school. Ten is downstairs listening to songs with Alfie. So if you can hear any YouTube sounds coming upstairs, I'm sorry about that. That is uh, the the go-to thing for Ten when I'm trying to distract him by going upstairs and I don't want him to know. We've got these new stair gates which make a, a big sound when I close them like a metallic dinging. And so now whenever he hears those sounds, he knows I'm I'm leaving to go upstairs to do something. And he stands at the stair gates and just starts wailing. But I managed to just discover that if I just climb over and don't open and shut the stair gate, then he doesn't realise I'm creeping upstairs to do something. So he's down there right now with Alfie and they're watching songs. Ten is a little bit of a dancer. I really like it. They've all been a little bit theatrical already, but Ten seems to be the most flamboyant of dancers. Even the way he walks is quite fancy. I love it. He he goes on his tiptoes and he kind of does a little jiggle wherever he goes. Alfie is currently on tour, so he's back and forth. So whenever he's here, I try and I make him do what I like to call active parenting. Um, And this is no, (laughs) this isn't me bitching about men in general as fathers. You know, there are some amazing hands-on, very active fathers out there. And Alfie is definitely an active father, but Alfie does like sitting down. So whenever I am about to go and do something, I have to give him a warning. Like, okay, so you're going to actually have to get up now to to do, because he's going to notice if I'm leaving the room or whatever. Anyway, it's quite funny. And, and and to be fair to Alfie, Alfie does gig. So he's, you know, he he works very, very late at night. He needed to drive back from Bristol last night. So it's fair enough that he's exhausted. But um, a good a good distraction tactic is YouTube and playing songs. And Ten likes some very strange music. Um, I actually don't know how to pronounce the name of the band, but they won a Eurovision. They almost won the Eurovision song contest a few years ago and they had a song called Think About Things and they're all siblings or married and the lead singer has three kids with another person in the band and it's lovely anyway he loves this band so much so we just replay those I'm pretty sure you can hear some of the music coming upstairs I'm sorry <laughs> anyway that's some that's some fun nice talk now I'm going to get into some serious talk it's pretty horrific actually out there right now I have been crying a lot at the news like I'm sure everyone has and um, Alfie did start to drip feed information to me he's kind of my main news source I do watch BBC breakfast every morning but that's you know that doesn't give you the 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 intel that's probably you know a bit more severe so Alfie is usually the one to give me these bits of news which make me just go into an overdrive of anxiety um so I think probably in around December, he started saying, I'm really worried about what's going to happen with Ukraine and Russia. And I didn't really know anything about it, to be honest. I'm such an idiot. 
And then lo and behold, recently with the the news of the invasion into Ukraine, I have been just glued to the news constantly in a more intense way than ever. And I think that's because I'm pregnant. And I just feel this sense of responsibility for this baby coming into the world. And I know that this is a very selfish, you know, very selfish thing for me to talk about and worrying about my family and my kids. But I think that's ultimately what everyone's doing right now. They're thinking, okay, how is this going to affect the wider world? And how is it going to affect my daily life and my family? Just because you see the stories and the images on screen of these mothers and these families being separated and the men being told they had to stay behind and having to say goodbye to their kids on the train and mothers giving birth like in, in underground. I just, I just, cannot get over those images I and and no one should get over those images they're harrowing harrowing things to read about um but just the idea of this affecting us here in the UK but you know we live in London this is a probably a the worst place you can live if you're going to live in England in terms of potential attacks whatever just my anxiety is through the roof and I'm I'm sure that everyone's is, but um, when it comes to being pregnant, the anxiety thing is a bit of a problem. And I definitely have noticed that when my heart starts racing, when I'm watching the news, I definitely find the baby in me starts kicking a lot and becoming a little bit more agitated in there. So I don't know if that's a good, that's a, that's a bad thing, isn't it? The baby's already kind of feeling a huge amount of stress through me. (laughs) Um, I have Googled it and stuff. I've started researching for the first time in my life. I've never even, I've never been on antidepressants apart from one spell as a teenager after a traumatic event. And then I quickly came off them. But um, I definitely have never really considered antidepressants or anxiety medication just because I've always been quite afraid of side effects and stuff. If, if I could take a pill and know that it would make me a bit happier each day. I would take it, but I've always just been too scared of, I don't know. I don't know why, but for the first time in my life, I'm actually thinking, okay, maybe it's time to go on some kind of anxiety medication just because I do catastrophize so extremely about every aspect of my life and my kids and my family. And again, I think that's because I've always been a little bit of a catastrophizer, but a catastrophist, I don't know what the way phrasing is but since my brother died in 2019 from an incredibly random and traumatic just awful situation um which was just so out of the blue you know hit hit us so so quickly and suddenly you know it wasn't like he had an illness it was just a an accident that changed our lives over overnight and I am still reeling from that. And definitely it's been almost three years. It's coming up to the anniversary of three years. And I live each day like another terrible, traumatic thing is going to happen because it's happened. It's possible. So even if I was a catastrophist before, I now actually have proof that, oh, yeah, fucking random, crazy horrific shit does happen and it has happened to us. So what's to say it's not going to happen again? And I think that the world has dealt with this with coronavirus. We've we've had to 
change our lives kind of completely in the last two years. We now, I can't get onto a tube without wearing a mask. And I know that now the restrictions have been eased and everything and life should be going back to normal, but we have had to change the way we live in total in the last two years. If, if somebody had said three years ago that this is what was going to happen to the world, no one would have believed it. And so we're all still kind of recovering from that and dealing with that. Um, and then now with Ukraine and Russia and realizing, oh, yeah, our worlds could just completely transform. We could, you know, imagine if the men in this country were suddenly enlisted and we had to separate our families and we were given guns to protect ourselves. Like it, it's not too far away in my opinion. And like, it's not inconceivable, those kind of drastic next steps. And yeah, maybe that's because I'm you know, got lots of anxiety and I'm a stressed person and I've had trauma in my life. But um, yeah, that's where I'm at. We also had the situation the other night when Alfie was, um, I don't know where he was, somebody somewhere in the UK. So I let them stay up and a, a safe bet for us to watch is that I enjoy too, <laughs> is the Graham Norton show. Now I know it's probably not appropriate for a seven-year-old and five-year-old, but they love it. They like Graham. They like the red chair. And usually there's a some kind of actor who's been a superhero in some kind of Marvel film. And Donnie likes that. So there was Andrew Garfield a couple of weeks ago and then Benedict Cumberbatch. So he was totally in. Obviously, Benedict didn't really talk much about Doctor Strange. He talked more about The Power of the Dog. Slightly different movie. But um, we still watched. Anyway, Graham said in the in the funny intro thing, so coronavirus is over after two years of restrictions. It's over. And then a funny, you know, meme type thing on the on the screen. And Donnie was playing with his football cards, which is his new obsession, which has kind of overtaken Beyblades for now, which is incredible. He was organizing his football class and he just suddenly looked up, looked at me and said, Mommy, is, is coronavirus over? And I said, well, no, not really. I won't get into why they've suddenly done this and actually is it a wise decision to stop all restrictions and blah, blah, blah. And why is Boris doing this? And is there a different agenda and blah, blah, blah. Is he distracting us? Blah, 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 blah. I didn't do that. I just went, yeah, kind of. Um, well, we just don't really have to wear masks anymore. And we, if you do have COVID, you don't have to stay inside like we did for three weeks. You know, you don't have to do that. So yeah, I guess, I guess it's over. Yeah. After two years. And isn't that amazing? Cause you're seven now and it's been going on since you were five. And Margot, this has been going on since you were three. Isn't that like weird? And he went, yeah. And did a funny smile and then just collapsed into tears, which just, through me completely. I was not ready for it. I was eating my dinner, had my my bowl on a pillow, resting on the sofa, and I suddenly just didn't know what to do. I was frozen with just confusion. I didn't understand his his whole face crumpled into this mess. And he was processing his emotions about the last two years suddenly. And he started saying, So I've been inside for two years. I said, well, no, no, you haven't, you haven't been inside for two years. We still got to do a lot of fun stuff, but yeah, I guess our lives have been affected for two years quite significantly. And he just couldn't get his head around the fact that it's been two years and the relief of it being what he thinks is over. 
And I guess this is more in his mind, probably because we've we have been so affected by the virus personally with our family, you know, with 10 when he was 10 weeks old, going into hospital with it and us me having to be away. And then recently us being inside for like two, three weeks, we were inside and then we've been sick for a little bit. You know, it's not been easy for the last six weeks or so. So it must be at the forefront of his mind that it really affects us. And then somebody on TV saying it's over is so exciting and terrifying for him as a seven-year-old. I just didn't know how to respond. I put my dinner down. I gave him a hug and I said, I just thought the, I don't know, I thought the best way to handle it is to not indulge it too much because I don't want him to now feel sorry for himself because this is something that the whole world has dealt with and we've been in a very fortunate country. So like, it's not, I didn't want to, didn't want to, be like, yes, it's awful. Everything's so bad for us. But I, I just was like, yeah, it's been bad for everybody, but you know, it's okay now we're going to be okay. And like, we, we're, we still managed to do a lot of things and we're healthy and it's okay. And I tried to kind of put a stop to it quite quickly, but also comfort him in the best way possible. And oh my gosh, it was so, it really ruined the Graham Norton show for me, really. I mean, and Benedict Cumberbatch, I just can't trust him. Just something about him. Just cannot trust him. Um, but Donnie likes him and he felt better watching that. So I don't think I'm going to allow Donnie to see Power of the Dog. I think that's a bit, bit extreme. So, yeah, it's been quite an intense couple of weeks, hasn't it? I also, I they get up so early and uh, the weekends, uh, Alfie was away and I was on my own. So I just, I couldn't be bothered to switch on cartoons immediately. I was kind of wallowing slightly in the news and I didn't really think about it. I thought it'd be a nice Saturday morning BBC breakfast, but it was obviously flooded with these images of planes and bombs and guns and tears and babies and children being separated and stuff. And I, they were, they were doing their own thing. So Donnie was playing his football cards. Margot was playing with her um, troll, no, lol cards. Top Trumps is a new phase in our house. And 10 was pottering around. So I was watching the news, not really worrying that they were listening and picking up this stuff. But then I thought, actually, there's no way we can avoid this. There's no way I can just pretend that this isn't happening. And maybe a good way to kind of drip feed it into them is to have it on in the background. And if they want to ask any questions, they can. But obviously that backfired because they immediately saw my face, which just looked, you know, like I'd just seen a ghost. Mommy, why are you sad? Why are you sad? The worst question you can get from your kids. Why are you sad? Because you want to tell them the truth. You want to tell them everything. You want to say, well, I'm sad because my brother died and I'm sad because the world seems to be like fucking up and we're. I'm sad because of the climate and I'm sad because... I miss daddy and I'm sad because I'm worried about my career and I'm sad about the, the fact that we could have a nuclear bomb like or something happen that changes our lives or kills us. And I'm sad that you're a child and you're having to deal with this kind of stuff. And I'm sad that you have a mother who is really worried all the time. And I'm sad for so many reasons. You can't say any of that. You have to just say, I'm just a little bit worried about this or I no, I'm okay. I'm just hungry or I'm just a bit tired. 
And so that happened last night, Donnie. We were reading a book before bed and I was knackered. I'm really tired at the moment. Um, I think I need to go and see a doctor or something because I'm just, I'm way too tired for like physically exhausted. This baby does move all day and the nausea is so crippling. I mean, yesterday all I could eat was a bagel, a croissant, a pita bread and dark chocolate. I just couldn't stomach anything else apart from like, and I don't think dark chocolate helps at all, but just because it's the only thing that I really love, like it just helps me psychologically, I think. Anyway, sorry to completely deviate. But so we were reading about some story. It was a lovely story about, it was one of the Jolly Postman stories, you know? And they were trying to figure out why our envelope, like the envelopes had got mixed up and we had put one thing into the other slot version. So while they were figuring that out so sweetly, so innocently, just so content in our world that we've created here in this flat. Like they love, they love, they're so happy. They're happy children. And I feel really proud that they are happy and that we have a lovely life. And then I just immediately jumped to the thought of these children having to leave their homes and take a bag and be in a, situation where they're traveling for hours and hours and hours to get to safety, having to leave their fathers or their uncles or their brothers. I mean, their, you know, older brothers behind just thinking of these kids. And I just looked at them fiddling with a Jolly Postman book. And I just, again, I didn't burst into tears, but I definitely had tears in my eyes and my kids can smell it. They can just sense if I have a tear coming. And Donnie was like, just looked at me. And again, I think he was doing this to protect me just, just, he's so empathetic. It's scary. He was like, mommy, I think that you need to go to bed early tonight. <laughs> and I just said, yes, I think I do too. I think I do too. Obviously I didn't go to bed. I tried to watch Peaky Blinders. Me and Alfie realized that we had accidentally watched the first episode of series five rather than the first episode of the new series, series six. And so I was trying to work all of that out and it took ages. And then I started looking at the news and fucking hell, I didn't go to bed early. So I'm sorry, Donnie, I failed you again. Anyway, I'm sorry to be so heavy in this podcast, but maybe people can relate out there. It's really hard to know what to do to help. I know that you can Instagram stuff and you can say, here's how you can give money to charity and you can give money to charity and you can give money to donate food or clothes. And I know that you can do all of those things, but I don't know how helpful it is for somebody like me to, to do any of that, like publicly, um, you know, send people towards these charities. Like I find it slightly bizarre when we all become... I don't know, spokespeople for something that's, that we don't really know anything about. And obviously we all want to help, but I sometimes get slightly tired by, I don't know, being made to feel like we should be helping more. And like, I feel then so guilty that I'm not doing as much social media about this that then to other, compared to other people. And then I feel it's kind of a weird thing where if you don't do enough, you feel like you look like you don't give a shit. So I'm finding that quite difficult right now. And obviously I want to help and I want to do, I want to, whenever I have posted anything about, um, like lately about, well, for instance, like last year, last year, I think around the Grenfell anniversary, I posted something and I got like some 
people, I don't know, you just always get comments back and it just puts me off because I, I don't want to spread false information. I also don't want to seem like I'm virtual signaling or. So with this, with Ukraine, I posted something about it. I posted a clip that really moved me from the news. And I got all of these comments being like, you don't know anything about this. You're you're spreading false information. It's false news. Did you know that Russia actually did, um, Russia actually had, you know, this and this and this. And I just, it's so scary. So I don't really know how to handle it. Um, and I know that's not a, pri- that's not a big deal at all, but I, I, um, I really hope that everyone isn't getting overwhelmed by the social media aspect of it too, because it is quite of a, it's like a bit of a fucking mind fuck. Anyway, I had a scan yesterday, one of my regular two weekly scans to see how this baby is growing. And I had some good news. It's quintuplets joke. Um, (laughs) uh, it was a it was a nine a.m. scan, which I'd picked, thinking, "Oh, we'll be really empty the hospital at that time." It was busier than I'd ever seen it. It's amazing, and there were so many working mums in the waiting room, which I loved. They were all they had their headphones in, they had their face masks masks on, even though they didn't really need to anymore, and they were on their laptops just working. Like, right, okay, got to fit this scan in before the rest of my fucking busy day, bitch. I. Just thought they were so cool. They had this really strong energy. Um, yeah, anyway, I had this quick scan. And it did make me think, okay, this baby is slightly crazy inside me because it moves constantly, like tended, but in a in a much more sporadic, erratic way. Um, and apparently the baby was because I, I just can't get over my nausea. Like, it's just so fucking bad. Um, sorry. And my heartburn is still a little bit there and stuff. Anyway, apparently this baby was playing with the umbilical cord, which terrified me because I just, you know, you hear all these horror stories about how they can strangle themselves with the umbilical cord and blah, 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 which apparently is very rare. So don't worry about that. Apparently some babies come out with it round their neck two to three times like a tight, thin scarf. Can you imagine seeing that when you've just given birth? Anyway, it's fine because essentially they're not breathing inside you. They're using everything from you to survive. So if the umbilical cord is round their neck, it's not such a big deal. But this baby inside me was had the umbilical cord at its feet and was pummeling it with its feet. So I could see it happening on the screen And I was so overjoyed with like relief that I'm not going crazy. Like it is doing something mad inside me. (laughs) And I said to the doctor, I was like, is this why I feel so sick? Is that what it's doing the entire time? And they were like, no, that's not, that's definitely not why, but I'm sure it is. Anyway, in the last two weeks, this baby has gained two pounds. Isn't that incredible? Two whole pounds. So now it's still a small baby. But it's now, it's it, the theory of my placenta not working and all that shit. Now it seems like, oh, this could be just a really small but good baby. It could be the biggest yet, actually. Can I just, and now I, I'm now scared. I don't want to, I don't want a giant. I don't want to push that out of me. I don't want a seven pounder. A seven pound to me is a giant baby. And I don't think my vagina's up to that. I can handle a six five. I do not want a seven. Well, obviously I want it, but I, I, I'm scared. Um, 
So any women out there who've given birth to babies over seven pounds, I salute you. That is incredible. How do you do it? Maybe when your vagina opens that much, then the extra 0.5 pound isn't such a big deal. That's what I'm hoping. Anyway, so it seems like my plan of being induced early might change and I might have this baby inside me for a bit longer than I thought, which at first I was kind of upset about because there's this competitive thing about having the baby and you just get to this stage in the pregnancy where you're near the end. You're like, just come out. I want to meet you. But you also, it's such a special time being pregnant and it possibly is my last pregnancy. I don't know. I would like eight children, but I don't think my boyfriend is as keen. Um, and I love him. So I've got to, you know, got to occasionally show a little bit of willing. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to really enjoy each day now of the pregnancy and not rush the baby out, which is different. But there's also the scary thing of, you know, after the 40 week thing, I am really paranoid about going over 40 weeks and I don't want to put any more people off. And I know there are a lot of first times, first time mums that are listening to this, but because my parents are doctors, I just know a little bit too much. So I don't want to go over 40 weeks. I think it goes the other, it's, it's safer to keep the baby in until basically 40 weeks. But then the second you're over 40 weeks, it becomes, it goes the other way and it becomes more dangerous. So you have to just be so I think, aware of every single day when you're 40 plus weeks. And because I've heard so much stuff about my presenter and whether Margot should have come out earlier and blah, 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 blah. I just think I just know too much. Anyway, that's 10 crying downstairs. So I think that's my cue to go. It's his nap time. I'm going to try and work while he's having a nap and it's raining outside. And so I think that I'm going to try and get him to sleep in the buggy and have a good hour and a half of attempting to do something towards my career guys that's my career that I might be saying goodbye to soon <laughs> given that I have been so incapable of creating anything good recently I feel like a bit of a failure anyway I won't get into that right now what was I saying so yeah so my whole um induction plan might be might be put off, which is kind of exciting. Maybe I'll be allowed to go into birth naturally. We'll all, basically I'll know very soon. <laughs> I'll know. Whatever happens, this, this, this baby is coming out of me somehow. And yours will too, if you're pregnant. It will come out of you somehow. That's a shit message to end on, sorry. But I hope that you're all well. And on my next podcast, I thought it'd be fun. Thank you for all the comments, by the way, about the the podcast, the last podcast, my sister special with BB. That was really nice, really nice comments. Some really nice emails. I'm really sorry I haven't replied to the emails. Um, like I said, I'm a bit of a failure right now. So I have not, my email hit rate is bad. I haven't sent an email probably about four or five days now. Can you imagine not sending an email in five days as a freelance woman? Woman. Woman. <laughs> Sorry about that. Anyway, on my next podcast, I'm going to be interviewing the father of my children, Alfie Brown, and trying to get some info from him about what he feels about having a, well, potentially having a fourth child with me, me, his he likes to call me his common law wife, not his wife. He hasn't proposed and I don't think he ever will, but maybe he will on the podcast. 
maybe that's maybe I should just look fucking amazing for the audio only podcast we're going to record together and maybe he'll propose not that I want to I'm playing it cool you know anyway that's it from me today I hope that you're all well I hope that you are managing to cope with your anxiety if you're feeling anxiety about the world right now and um I am sending everybody lots of love. Bye.